I'm Jonathan Capehart, and welcome to Capehart. The I in LGBTQIA stands for intersex. It stands for the nearly 2% of the world's population who are born with a variation of sex characteristics. That's as many people who have green eyes or even red hair. The new Focus Features documentary, Every Body, puts a spotlight on the intersex community. One of the subjects of the film says that right now, in the national conversation about the LGBTQIA community, the I could stand for invisible, but not anymore. Alicia Roth Weigel, a subject of the documentary and author of the forthcoming book Inverse Cowgirl, is using her voice to ensure that intersex people are heard and seen. In this conversation, first recorded on July 19th for Washington Post Live, Alicia talked about how she was born with internal testes and how her existence proves there is no pure male and female. And this knowledge then exposes the problem with demands that only biological women participate in women's sports. So, so Alicia, the documentary Everybody is a deeper examination into the, into the lives of intersex people. You are intersex. So let's start with this basic question. What does it mean to be born with intersex traits? Yeah, so as you mentioned, around 2% of the world's population is born with physical traits that land somewhere between those binary boxes of male and female on a birth certificate. So this can include everything from chromosomes, hormones, internal reproductive organs, external genitalia that doesn't fit neatly into a binary box. And despite the fact that 2% of the world is born like this, that's approximately 150 million individuals around the globe. To put that in relevant terms, that's around half the population of the United States. You don't hear about us because rather than changing a birth certificate to fit our body, our bodies have traditionally been changed or surgically altered to fit onto a birth certificate. Right, and I want to talk uh, more about um, the the surgical alter alterations in, in a moment. But we have. I want to show this clip that introduces you and the and the two other folks featured in the documentary. Let's take a look, and we'll, I'll talk to you about it on the other side. We live in a society that's so binary. And so for me, as an intersex person, where do I fit? Where do I belong? I was born intersex between the two sexes. I have physical and anatomical traits that don't fall neatly into that male-female box that birth certificates would make you think is how the world is. You feel so alone and isolated and like your body is a problem. There's this connotation of something that's ugly, that it's like gross or like something that is monstrous. Actually, our very existence proves that there is no pure male and female. And, it, and it's that last line from you, our very existence proves that there is no pure male and female. That line challenges the idea of the gender binary. How should society change its thinking about what gender is? Yeah, well, I think what our existence shows is that 
nothing that exists on this earth is as black and white as we may think. Even non-intersex individuals, some cisgender men can grow a full beard and some barely have any facial hair. And so what I think we existing on this earth shows is that rather than trying to fit things into neat little categories that make the world perhaps easier or less scary for us to understand, we can and should embrace the nuance that exists in every aspect of society. And once we do, once we accept what is rather than what should be, then uh, we're all going to be a lot more inclusive um, and a whole, a whole lot happier because there won't be large swaths of the world that are left behind in, in trying to force fit people into categories that society has created rather than just the natural diversity that exists in biology. I like that, you know, uh, embrace the nuance, accept what is, um, and I'm going to come back to that, put, put a pin in that. Um, so uh, t tell us your story. When did you learn that you are into sex? Yeah, so that's sort of a tough question to answer because my parents knew from before I was born. Um, when my mom was pregnant with me, my parents got into a car crash and an amniocentesis test, which was performed, which is sort of like an ultrasound, but a bit more invasive. It involves a needle and it provides genetic information. In this day and age, a lot of parents do genetic testing before a child is born and have this information. But because of this test, my parents knew that I had XY chromosomes. And so everyone was expecting a little baby boy in the delivery room. I was going to be named Charles after my father, both my grandfathers. Uh, the nursery was painted blue, et cetera, et cetera. And so lo and behold, when I was born in the delivery room looking very female, um, they didn't even have a name picked out for me. And as the story goes, apparently my dad said something to the effect of, well, we could name her Alicia after that hurricane that hit Houston when we were living there back in the 80s. And then, you know, 26 years later, Hurricane Alicia landed back in Texas when I moved to Austin to help a former state senator launch a nonprofit that was training the next generation of young women activists in the state of Texas. And through that work, I ended up gaining the courage to finally come out and share my story as an intersex individual as part of a Texas State Senate hearing to kill the bathroom bill that would have required transgender individuals to use a restroom that aligns with the sex on their birth certificate. And that whole conversation you know, left bodies like mine out. And I wanted to ask those senators, you know, where I was supposed to pee. Was I mm -hmm. supposed to go outside? That seems pretty unsanitary and like I might get arrested for public urination. And uh, and so that kind of led me to ultimately own my identity and share my story. And here we are a few years later, um, sharing that live with you now. <laughs> and, and a wonderful segue to the next clip I wanted to show. And this is you. Um, at that Texas State House hearing. Let's watch this. I'm intersex. On my way to the Capitol is when I called my mom. And I was like, I'm going to come out today. And she was like, what do you mean? I was like, I'm going to tell the Texas Senate who I am. 
Madam Chairperson and members of the committee, thank you for your time. My name is Alicia Weigel. I'm a resident of Austin, and I have XY chromosomes. It was like the scariest thing that I've ever done. I stand here today, or sit here today, <laughs> representing the I in LGBTQIA, which stands for intersex. Uh, because of a condition called complete androgen insensitivity, I was born phenotypically female on the outside with a woman's anatomy, but with internal testes instead of ovaries. And so I basically wanted to tell them that if they wanted to try to pass discriminatory legislation, they should at least open a biology textbook first, because people like me exist. Because of my genotypic XY chromosomes, does that mean that I've been using the wrong bathroom my whole life? No, it doesn't mean that. Now, the best line in this documentary, um, I think probably comes right after that, where, and this gets to the, um, what you said earlier, embracing the nuance and accepting what is. You say, quote, you told them, quote, I was born with balls. <laughs> yes, that is true. It's not something that most people have to share with a room full of strangers, uh, let alone a, a room full of legislators. But uh, unfortunately, our state legislature in Texas is known to deny science and um, to devastating effect, whether it be when we end up with no power in freezing cold temperatures because our grid is failing, or whether it be with issues related to body autonomy from abortion to trans and intersex healthcare. Um, and so a lot of us end up having to do things that most human beings shouldn't have to, to survive and thrive in our state. But um, now I've gotten pretty used to talking about my anatomy in all different rooms. And I do hope that one day we might be able to help dispel some of the shame and stigma that exists surrounding the human body. Because if there's one thing we all have in common, intersex or not, it's that we all have bodies. So I think the sooner that we can start talking about them freely, openly, without any shame or stigma, the sooner that we'll be able to resolve all of these issues that plague society in terms of our ability to make decisions surrounding our own bodies, what happens to them and, and what we want to do with them. What I loved about that quote, aside from, from the moxie of, of, of saying it, is that it sort of highlights the, um, I'm struggling to find the right word, but let me just ask this question. Explain why all the talk about bathroom bills and so-called protecting women and girls sports participation falls apart when you take intersex folks like you into account. Why was it, and this gets to the, when you say, I, I was born with balls, how, how did saying that show the lie of what they were doing with bathroom bills and, and what we see now with uh, women and girls sports? Yeah, so the way that my body was born um, is that my body does not respond to testosterone, which is why despite having XY chromosomes, despite being born with internal testes, I developed looking very female the way that you see me today. I present very femme in the world. And had my testes remained intact, my body would have taken the testosterone that they produced and automatically converted it to estrogen, which is kind of cool. In my mind, that's like a superpower. I can convert testosterone to estrogen. Um, unfortunately, 
society doesn't see it that way. And given what I look like on the outside, I was not supposed to have internal testes on the inside. And so they surgically removed those testes from me in infancy, which then forced my body into hormone withdrawal. And I am now required to take external hormone replacement therapy, similarly to what transgender individuals take purely to survive because our bodies require hormones for a lot of things beyond gender presentation, just to have properly functioning organs um, for our bones to develop. And by removing my testes and forcing my body into hormone withdrawal, it created other issues. I actually have early stage osteoporosis at age 33, which is certainly not an age that you would expect that to happen because hormone withdrawal was leaching calcium from my bones. So by trying to fix me, they broke me. And I think, again, by by just accepting that people like me exist, that these boxes aren't as simple as the world makes them out to be, we can keep people like me healthier, but it also, it really does shatter this, this binary notion that we're all existing under from even sports like you brought up. And so people like me, I always played on women's sports teams growing up. Um, I, again, I look completely female on the outside. And my question to legislators was, do they really want me using the men's room? If their whole question, if their whole motivation for these bills is to protect women, was the correct solution really to to force me into a men's locker room, looking the way that I do, operating the way that I do in society, and to force me to play on a men's sports team? And I think if any of them were forced to answer that question, they wouldn't have a simple answer. And, and it just shows the, the breakdown in all of their logic and all of their reasoning. It shows that none of it is based, in fact, in science, logic, or fact. It is purely based in discrimination. That is an, an excellent, an excellent point. You know, one of the parts that really struck me in the documentary was the conversation around surgeries performed on intersex babies. I heard your, your interview with uh, Jonathan Van Ness, um, where you talked at length about how you had no say in what was done to, what was done to your body. Talk, talk to us about, about, those, about those surgeries. How, how young do they perform them? And do, is, the medical, is the medical industry even equipped to have a nuanced or even compassionate conversation with parents who discover that their uh, child or soon to be born child is intersex? Yeah, so unfortunately, when it comes to human rights and provision of healthcare, we are often far behind in the United States, most other countries in the world. There are entire countries like Greece, like Kenya, that have banned non-consensual and medically unnecessary surgeries on intersex children. Yet, unfortunately, they still happen by board-certified doctors in accredited hospitals across the United States each and every day. The United Nation define the United Nations defines these surgeries as torture. The World Health Organization calls them intersex genital mutilation. We think of genital mutilation as something that happens in, you know, far reaches of Africa, in perhaps tribal communities. But again, it's happening every single day in surgeries throughout the U.S. And so a lot of our advocacy is actually within the medical community to get them up to speed 
And the way that we're going to scale that is by working politically to provide better information to parents and doctors of intersex children. So in the city of Austin, for example, we passed a resolution where Austin Public Health is going to be conducting a public health campaign to provide information to parents like mine so that they can make better informed decisions in consult with doctors and with children who will be living with these bodies for the rest of their lives. We're also working directly with the Biden administration and the Federal Bureau of Health and Human Services to compile a report on health inequities faced by intersex individuals, which will provide us data that can serve as the basis for better federal policy to protect intersex people and update healthcare to better serve our needs. Um, and anyone can learn more about this conversation, about all the work that we're doing. You mentioned Jonathan Van Ness from Queer Eye, who, is, uh, who has written the foreword for my book, Inverse Cowgirl, that comes out uh, via HarperCollins. It's available for pre-order. Um, that'll come out in September. And I really do hope that this conversation you and I are having today and the documentary really isn't the only conversation that people hear surrounding intersex individuals and that it serves rather as a jumping off point for people to learn more. Intersex issues deserve the same platform and spotlight as issues of women's rights and healthcare, as issues of trans rights and healthcare, any of these other issues pertaining to body autonomy that are dominating the airwaves and serving as the basis of these cultural wars that you see in the news each and every day. It's about time that intersex voices are included and that people learn about our community as well. Well, to that point, we have an audience question. Elizabeth in Missouri, um, Elizabeth asks, what advice would you give to parents who have newly discovered that their baby has androgen insensitivity syndrome? Yeah, so I think the first thing would be, please celebrate the fact that you have a perfectly healthy newborn baby child. I think they're immediately kicks off this panic in the delivery room when an intersex kid is born. Doctors are called in, unknown is written on a, a birth bracelet, and it creates this, this terror that need not exist. Your child is perfectly healthy the way that they are. There is an entire community of individuals like me all around the world who are living lives with complete androgen insensitivity, healthily, happily, and affirming who they are. So you needn't be scared. You can find organizations like Interact, like Interconnect that can help you connect with other parents of intersex kids that can help your child connect with other intersex individuals. And you can raise this child in a very happy, healthy and affirming way. You know, you have pointed out that the irony that the people passing laws to protect trans youth from having gender-affirming surgeries are the same people who essentially encourage intersex babies to have surgeries, to adhere to the gender binary. Talk more about that. Yeah, so anyone who ever tunes into the news, I'm sure will have seen that there are state-level laws passing throughout most of these United States that are attempting to ban healthcare, gender affirming care for transgender minor, minors. The quote unquote motivation of these bills is to protect children from what these legislators 
called child abuse. However, these same exact bills have clauses written into them that say you cannot give surgeries or hormones to transgender children, but you can force these same exact surgeries and hormones onto intersex children. So they are denying consensual health care to children who want them and forcing the exact same health care onto children who are too young to ask for them. This points out the utter hypocrisy in these bills. It illustrates very clearly that they are not meant to protect children, but rather that they are meant to discriminate against individuals and force normalize certain paradigms that a cis heteropatriarchal society deems normal onto individuals. They think trans kids are not normal. And so they say deny them from the ability to realize who they are. They also think intersex kids are not normal. So they say force them to fit into a box that we are more comfortable with. But this direct hypocrisy is written into these bills. And so they can't claim anymore that it is about protecting children. If it were about protecting children, they would not be forcing the same surgeries and hormones onto a certain class of kids that they are actively denying from another class of, of children. You know, uh, Alicia, the, the gender spectrum has become a part of the general discourse uh, in this country in recent years. Um, uh, why is that so, do you think? What has led to this moment where the general public looks at gender as a, or maybe I'm being too generous here, that the general public is viewing gender as a spectrum? Is the general public viewing gender as a spectrum? Or are we at the very beginning stages of a more, uh, a more intelligent, and as you said before, a more nuanced conversation about what gender is. Yeah, well, I think that a lot of society is catching up. People fear what they don't know or understand, and the world is getting scarier all the time. With climate change, we are worried about the future of our children being able simply to survive on this planet. So it makes sense that people are trying to latch on to something easy, something that their brain doesn't have to struggle to grasp. However, we are also moving forward as a society to understand that there are entire segments of this society that have been marginalized, whose voices have not been heard, who have been forced to stay silent to survive. and. So I think that if we can all embrace curiosity and understand that by welcoming our neighbors into the same spotlight that certain people have had for many centuries, it in fact does not threaten any of our rights or ability to survive, but it rather strengthens all of our ability to survive and, and thrive as a community. The less divided we are, the more we can band together and fight these actual existential threats to humanity, like the fact that our climate is increasing to a point where I'm worried about my ability to live in the state of Texas based on these temperatures that we've been seeing right. for the next couple of decades. So the sooner that we can realize that, you know, trans individuals, intersex individuals, every member of the LGBTQI plus community is not actually what's threatening our survival on this planet. Um, the sooner we can band together and solve real problems that actually exist. Um, and and that would make me feel a lot better about all of our ability to, to be able to stay here on Earth. 
Mm -hmm. Let me put in, bring in another audience question, um, sort of jumping off something you just said there at the end. This is Jesse in California who asks, how might you propose to those of us in the LGBTQ plus community urge friends and family to stand up and to be proactive alongside us? Well, I honestly think that the intersex issue almost can serve as a, a, a gateway to certain communities who haven't accepted the spectrum of gender and sexuality. For some people, seeing is believing. And our bodies visibly exist in the world. I look and present very femme to the world. There are a lot of intersex individuals who are born with traits that look far less binary than mine. And if someone's body is physically, visibly, neither male nor female, how would it not extend that their brain might also not be as well? And how might it not ex extend that someone might be attracted to that person or might want to have a relationship with that person? I think that rather than shunning intersex individuals and forcing us into in, in invisibility, the sooner people can learn to speak eloquently about our issues, the easier it will be to get the rest of the side of society to understand that beyond sex, neither gender nor sexuality is a binary either. So again, I, I hope that everyone watches our film, everybody on streaming platforms. I hope everybody reads my book, Inverse Cowgirl. Um, again, I'm intersex in Texas, hence the title. <laughs> um, and I hope that people learn to speak about intersex issues the same way they might any other about any other community, whether it be racial justice, reproductive justice, or the broader LGBTQI plus community. Let me get you on something else that I heard you say to, to Jonathan Van Ness that I had, I, I had not occurred to me. And, and there's one word that has not come up in this entire conversation, but when people have talked about intersex individuals, the word they've used in the past is hermaphrodite. And the yes. one thing you talked about with Jonathan is hermaphrodite is a pejorative. Explain. Yeah, so I think it's always been used as the butt of jokes, but it also paints a really false picture of our community. I think when people hear that word, they think that I'm walking around with two fully loaded sets of genitalia in my pants, which actually does not exist in human biology. So we all exist with a combination of traits, some of them externally visible, some of them purely internal, that don't fit neatly into this male or female category. But the sooner we stop referring to us as monsters or mythical creatures, uh, the sooner society will wake up to the fact that we exist and, and we exist among you and that every single person watching this conversation now, Jonathan, <laughs> has met an intersex person whether they know it or not. Um, I was closeted for almost 27 years of my life. Even my own brother didn't know that I was intersex. But we are here. We exist. We have always been here and we will always be here. Alicia, this is such an important conversation, and I think for a lot of people, this is the first, probably the most extended conversation they've ever heard um, about intersex um, intersex individuals, about the topic uh, and and the issue. To close this conversation out, you are intersex, but ever, just because you're intersex doesn't mean that you need to be a champion um, of, of intersex rights or or to be an activist. So. Why are you? 
Well, I think if you asked my mom, I have been very motivated by justice and fairness and equality ever since I was a child. You know, she told me to eat my broccoli and and <laughs> her reasoning was because I said so. I would I would challenge that from day one. Um, I think, again, for me, this is bigger than just intersex rights. This is each of our ability to see and believe in nuance, to accept the reality of human diversity and the sooner again that we can all band together accept one another and learn to love one another and feel more comfortable with the natural nuance that exists in the world the sooner we can unite as people who have been marginalized and achieve the rights that we all deserve our right to own our own bodies make decisions about our own bodies and to have the same access to healthcare, love and acceptance as any other human being. So um, yeah, I'm, I'm very motivated by justice and, and fairness and equality. And I think those are very American values. And so the sooner that we realize that the intersex cause is a patriotic cause, hopefully the sooner we can get everybody behind us. Alicia Roth-Weigel, one of the subjects of the documentary, Everybody, and as you've heard three times, author of the forthcoming book, that's very good, forthcoming book, Inverse Cowgirl, a memoir. Thank you very much for coming to Capehart on Washington Post Live. Thank you so much for having me. I've loved this conversation. Thanks for listening to Capehart. It's edited by Nick Roberts. We'll have new episodes for you every Thursday. I'm Jonathan Capehart. You can find me on Twitter at K-Part-J.